What's good? What's good, everyone? Welcome in to another edition of Scout Team Sports. I am your host, Devalian, and once again, we are back, men and women, boys and girls of football world, covering the NFL 2022-2023 season. We are going to get into week eight of this season but we have to recap week seven first shout out to all of my subscribers please continue to uh share and subscribe uh to this channel every play is greatly appreciated once you play this podcast it does help me so i appreciate every listen every play uh you don't have to do it plenty of other podcasts and if you choose mine again greatly greatly appreciated we're gonna start off with um again uh, week seven, recapping that. We start off with the Thursday night football game. Saints at Cardinals. Saints win this one in sort of a shootout. Uh, it's about That's about shootout-ish. Uh, very shootout-ish. Uh, on the cusp of shootout-ish, uh, <laughs> if you will. Um, so yeah, definitely a shootout uh, with the Cardinals winning 42-34. Biggest um, attention grabber. I won't say the biggest takeaway, but the biggest attention grabber was um then of course you know things are are a little uh, rattled in the cardinals camp between head coach cliff kingsbury who doesn't deserve the job and kyler murray at the time when they're on the sideline and uh kingsbury is yelling at uh kyler murray and kyler murray they catch his words uh and a little bit of his voice as well telling his coach to calm the f down and uh, so, I mean, there's going to be, you know, people who are on, on, on the coach's side. There's going to be people who are on Kyler Murray's side. Uh, I'm not surprised by this uh, because to me, to me, you know, first of all, Cliff Kingsbury is the reason everybody knows about the, him not studying, number one. So you already know that there's bad blood there because they exposed that by putting it in the contract. Two, you know how the younger generation responds to older people nowadays. It, it's not the same type of, uh, you know, the whole respect thing. They don't care about that. So it's not, I'm not saying who's wrong or right in that because it really depends on how a person is taught and how they're raised. But in this day and age, you've got to find another way to communicate with each other and be effective communicating um, uh, with each other. I mean, old school head coach yelling at so-and-so, I mean, that might work with college kids, but Kyler don't, he, he might, and, and Kyler might look like he's still in college. <laughs> he looks like he's still in high school, but as an adult male, he, I mean, you, you're not going to really get away with that at the pro level. Like you can get away with that at college, but the pro level, like, I don't know most people who are going from that, going for that from their coach. Yeah, you're going to talk to him and whatnot, and, and it's like, you know, you, you you better not lay hands on him, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, and like with Kyler saying calm down, basically uh, telling his coach what to do, is like, you know, I would have taken it, you know, 
on the inside, you know, inside the locker room, whatnot. I want to put it on right there. But sometimes there's shouting matches. Sometimes, you know, Tom Brady has, has yelled with his offensive coordinator. You know, sometimes uh, other quarterbacks get into it with their wide receiver or some, you know, sometimes teammates get into it. And I get it. Sometimes it's just in the heat of the moment. Neither one's backing down. It's passion. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, emotion uh, running, running heavy, running high. And, uh, I don't know, but I, I think, um, actually I do know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like saying that. Um, but yeah, there, I don't think too much of this, but this is not surprising considering how this relationship is. Um, first of all, Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury would not have a job without Kyler Murray. You see what happened to Matt Rule coming up from college and getting a head coaching position. Now he's gone. If Cliff Kingsbury didn't have Kyler Murray, he'd already be gone. And I know that Kyler Murray knows that. So it's kind of like you can be his head coach and you can yell at him. and But he knows that you wouldn't have a job without him. And despite uh, you not being a good enough coach in the NFL, you still have your job because he's helping. He's leading the team to win football games, whether he's studying or not. I mean, they're not winless. They're not winless. They are three and four. And that's, of course, not good for especially with the division that they're in. Um, but at the same time, the division that they're in right now, it's still anybody's division. It really still is anybody's division at this point because nobody is head and shoulders above the rest. I mean, not even the Seahawks are at the bottom. So that ought to tell you something. So um, it's still a long season. We're seven games in. Uh, we still got plenty of weeks to go. So if we're seven games in, and it's a 17-game season, that means 10 games to go. So that's still plenty of time to turn things around. So you never know. You don't want to get on a bad streak, but this is a win nonetheless um, over a Saints team that just, you know, don't they don't have the defense that they once had. So I'm not surprised that they gave up 42 points. Uh, and the offense, while they can score, is just not, they're not built to be a shootout winning team in my opinion. They just don't have it at quarterback to get that last touchdown and make that last play. Um, you know, hats off to the team uh, for trying, but I pretty much figured that the Cardinals were going to win this one. Next one, Browns at Ravens. Ravens take care of business winning 23-20. Uh, to 20. Uh, Yes, the Browns, uh, you know, got within three points, but still I'd, I really didn't see the Browns winning this game, um, and the Ravens do take care of business. Um in this game uh, by a score of 23 to 20. This is more often what Ravens football looks like. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be, you know, flashy and nice, but it's going to get the job done. It's going to get the job done. And that's what the Ravens do. Again, you know, their defense is not what it once was. So don't be expecting too much. Um, And it's like, yeah, they stopped Jacoby Brissett, big deal, but it's still a division win. And it still propels you toward trying to be at the top of your own division with Cleveland clearly being at the bottom right now um, due to, you know, deficiencies at quarterback. So Lamar Jackson, who I, uh, again, I don't think that this is, this this particular uh, offense is still geared toward building around him. It's more around a running game, but they did what they had to do. Lamar only nine for only 16, uh, 120 yards, 
uh, and then rushing 10 times for 59 yards with Gus Edwards leading the way 16 carries for 66 yards and two touchdowns uh, and a couple of field goals to match. Uh, and, well, actually three field goals and the Ravens, like I said, win by a score of 23 to 20. Uh, I would still put stock in Cleveland's defense, but if they're on the field the whole time and they don't have any confidence in their offense doing what they need to do, it's it's just not going to work. And it doesn't look like Lam- uh, Deshaun is going to be back right after that because of the extra lawsuit that he's going to be right back after 11 games. And even by then, it may be too late uh, for Cleveland. So Ravens on top, 23 uh, to 20. Next, uh, on the recap part of the show, we have one of the, I would have to say, the biggest surprise, without question, the biggest surprise, uh, with the Buccaneers and Panthers. Panthers starting P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker, yes, P.J. Walker versus Tom Brady. And the Panthers, which I do believe that this, a lot of this was the Bucs shooting themselves in the foot. But nonetheless, the Panthers win by a score of 21 to 3. Uh, it wasn't, look, I know, you know, Tom's going to get mad at everybody. I get it. But I've been saying this. It's not always everybody else. Sometimes it's Tom Brady himself. Sometimes he's just not playing well. Yes, Mike Evans missed a wide open catch uh, on the post pattern down the field, wide open, all alone, easy touchdown, and he drops it and he bobbles it. Uh, yeah, that's one. But Mike Evans doesn't do that on a regular basis. That Mike Evans doesn't do that consistently. Tom Brady has not played well consistently this entire season so far. Through seven games, he has not played well. The games that they do win, they're barely winning. And they want to talk about, you know, not much help from Leonard Fournette in the running game. Well, they don't pass that. I mean, they don't run enough. They pass more than any other team in the league. Tom Brady passes more than any other quarterback in the league. And especially for being the oldest guy in the league, I would think he would want to take a couple snaps off. And let's build up the running game. Let's let's run it down that throw. Give my arms some rest. Give these receivers some time to uh, load these defensive backs to sleep. And then let's catch them sleeping. Something. Um, you know, but then they just want to pass, 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 pass. And it's like, it's, you know, it, oddly enough, seems like Leonard Fournette was much more effective when Bruce Arians was there. And now that Bruce has stepped down because that's what Tom Brady wanted. That was his contingency upon coming back to the Bucks. Now you've got uh, an offensive coordinator and Byron Leftwich, who you know Brady is cool with, but you know every snap Brady is going to call his own play if he wants to. He can just pre-snap, pre-read, uh, and just totally disregard or ignore Byron Leftwich, make his own play, and there you go. So it's really Tom Brady running the offense and Todd Bowles running the defense. And so... You know, this a lot of this is on him because again, when he makes those pre-snap reads and he changes at the line of scrimmage and he wants to make a, a different play, yeah, I you know he's definitely missing Gronk, but maybe he should have taken Gronk's advice or followed Gronk's suit and not came back. He didn't have to come back. Um, he could have retired even after that last Super Bowl he won two years ago. But I mean, look, 
if you want to look, I'm not I'm not knocking a man for wanting to continue to work because I know what he's going through personally. You know, it's all over everywhere in the media. So I'm not saying retire, uh, retire in that regard because your wife doesn't want you doesn't want you to work anymore or something like that. But I'm saying for the sake of your legacy and wanting to, you know, continuing to play. But yet your the quality of your play is going down. I don't think this is the way Tom Brady wanted to go out. And the thing is, if you have an opportunity, look, it is very rare that anybody can get one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls to their name, let alone seven. You've got seven. I don't think nobody's touching you for at least another 40, 45 years. And so why um, you continue continuing to play? Again, I'm not talking about what he should be doing or should not be doing with his family and whatnot, but he already has. He already has the most lucrative deal that he's ever had sitting on the table waiting for him when he retires he is set to make as an announcer as a color commentator he is set tom brady is set to make more money in his contract with fox sports once he retires doing commentary than he has ever made in one contract in his entire playing career So, you know, this whole, st- and that's what, that's what, bog- that's what boggles me about, you know, the whole, you know, with his personal life and stuff is like, it's not like he's coming home or anything like that, because even if he were to stop playing, then he's going to be on the road hosting all the game, commentating on all the games on Fox sports. So he's still going to be working. He's still going to be bringing in money. He just ain't going to be throwing the football anymore. And again, You've got a more lucrative deal waiting on you when you stop playing football as opposed to when you continue to play football. I personally would be thinking about, okay, that Fox deal is sitting on the table right now. I don't want to get hurt to the point where something's wrong and I can't even physically present myself on camera for the Fox Sports job doing color commentary, which I probably had the easiest cush job in the world making the most money I've ever made because now my neck doesn't work right or now I can't talk straight anymore. Or, or you know, I got some, I got some brain injuries. I got, I got something, I got something's wrong with my, something's wrong with my head, something's wrong with my shoulder, chronic pain. Like he's set to start immediately. Like they gave him the contract and it's like, as soon as you, it doesn't matter when, whenever you want to start, as soon as you retire, here's the job, most money you've ever made in your lifetime, more than any as any amount of money that you've made in your career at one time, any contract, whenever you want to stop, it's, it's sitting here waiting for you. Beyond that, you already know nobody can touch your Super Bowls. Nobody can touch, you know, many regard you as the GOAT, even though that's not, I'm not one of them. You can put him as the greatest quarterback, fine, but the greatest football player, like everybody tries to say, no. Because it's still a team sport. I don't care how corny that sounds, I'm going to say it until I can't say it anymore because it's the truth. But my goodness, it's like, it's like now, you, you know, the play, the quality of the play is going down and you just lost to P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker. And again, you can't blame it on everybody else. You're part of the problem too, Tommy. (laughs) 
<laughs> but go figure with that. I mean, you know, he's going to do what he wants to do. He's in control of every situation. So, you know, go ahead and do what you do, man. I ain't even talking about going home and just sitting home like Giselle wants you to do. I'm talking about going to start that Fox Sports commentary job. Helicopter. Where everybody's going to hang their hat on everything that you say as far as your expertise and in, 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 in commentating on a football game. Your words are pure gold. Absolutely. But you're still risking not being able to do that. How do you know after the next game you're going to be able to walk? How do you know after the next game you're going to be able to function properly, dude? All right. All right, you do you. You do you. But nonetheless, we'll get into, get off that rant. We'll get into the numbers for P.J. Walker getting a start for the Panthers. 16 for 22, 177 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Very clean game against this defense. Deontay Foreman, I was about to say Freeman, but Deontay Freeman, Deontay, I just just missed, (laughs) I just said I wasn't going to say that. Deontay Foreman, 15 carries, 118 yards. Chuba Hubbard adds a touchdown on his nine carries and 63 yards, and they ran it down the defense's throat. Um, DJ Moore, seven catches, 69 yards, and one touchdown. Tommy Tremble with a touchdown as well. And the Panthers playing a very clean game. Very clean game and just being ready to play. Hats off to them. Very proud of them under Steve Wilkes. Coach Wilkes, notice this is not a win for Matt Rule because he's not there. This is under their interim head coach, black head coach, who probably should have gotten the job before Matt Rule, and Coach Wilkes. Coach Wilkes beat Tom Brady. So let that sink in too. Not just P.J. Walker. The coach that should have had the job, should have a permanent job already, just beat Tom Brady. In his second game as interim coach. So, now, where do the Bucks go from here? They go to Thursday Night Football, but we'll get into that once we get to week eight. We're still going over week seven here and the recap. We go on now to Falcons at Bengals. Bengals win this one by a score of 35 to 17. Not surprised. The Bengals, a better team from top to bottom. Even if they have offensive line issues, they find ways to get around it. That's not going to work come playoff time, in my opinion. But for right now, against the Falcons, yes, most definitely it would work. Um, and so, like I said, with the Falcons the previous week beating the Niners, I was like, okay, that to me, that sounds seems like that's more the Niners having issues than it is the Falcons just being this upstart team that we weren't prepared for uh, because they get brought right back down to earth by a clearly better team uh, in the Bengals, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, 34 for 42, 481 yards and three touchdowns. Joe Mixon adding on to his 17 carries for only 58 yards and one touchdown. And Joe Burrow getting a rushing touchdown himself. Uh, oh, my goodness. These wide receiving numbers. Tyler Boyd, eight catches for 155 yards and one touchdown. Jamar Chase, the star of the show, 
eight catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And then T. Higgins adding on his five catches of 93 yards. Uh, and it's like that trio, like, my goodness, you let all three of them dudes get loose. It's yeah, you can forget it. You can forget it. Absolutely can forget it. Uh, and that's pretty much all she wrote for uh, this game. And this is pretty much what I predicted. Um, you know, and when a team, you know, yeah, they had a rough start, starting off at 0-2. But when you get back on the ball and you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, um, you know, that lets me that lets me know that you're back on track. Because, that, I mean, the way it's supposed to go for the best teams, the championship caliber teams, playoff bound teams, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then at least go 500 against the teams that are on your level or greater. And you are, that at least should get you to the playoffs. And then from there, you know, who knows what can happen. But, uh, you know, this is what's supposed to happen, you know, in this league. So Falcons over Bengals. I mean, Bengals over Falcons, I'm sorry. Next, I uh, have the Lions at Cowboys. I predicted this one as well, to be correct. This is a perfect game for Dak to come back. Didn't go all out, didn't go crazy, but didn't have to. Played a smart game, and the Cowboys... Uh, win by a score of 24 to 6. Uh, just like I said, you know, uh, Jared Goff to me has still done a good job, a very good job uh, with this Lions offense of no name stars. But this game, he was going up against, uh, this was not going to be a shootout. Uh, this time, he was going up against a defense that without some stars, without some true playmakers, you're not really going to have a shot against. And of course, he didn't. 21 for 26, 228 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks. That was is just not fair to him. Uh, I know some people want to say he's not that good of a quarterback, but he did pretty. He's been doing pretty good for a team that doesn't really have anybody to rely on. I like T.J. Hawkinson, but I'm not going to consider him all of a sudden like you know a top five uh, tight end. I wouldn't even say maybe top ten. Uh, but um, I still think Jared Goff does a good job, and I, you you're going to say yes, one and five is not a good job. Look. They their defense can't stop a cold. They cannot absolutely stop anybody. It's just that Dallas is just getting back in the groove when it comes to their uh, offense and their running game and and Dak Prescott doing what Dak Prescott does. So, you know, only 24 points. That's Cowboys football. That's Cowboys. I don't think are blowing anybody out this year. Uh, And so I'm not looking for that. I'm not going to say because they didn't blow somebody out that they didn't go, do a good enough job or convincing job. That's not their style. It's low scoring, it's mid scoring, and it's defense. And it's the offense doing what they need to do. Um, so, again, that's what the Cowboys do. That's how they're going to play. Dak Prescott with 19 of 25, 207 yards, and one touchdown, no picks. Very important for that to be a factor in talking about Dak Prescott. Playing a clean game is something that he has to do. He has to do it. For them to be successful moving forward, he has to do it. Absolutely. Tony Pollard, 12 carries for 83 yards. Zeke, 15 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, like I said, that's 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 what's going to get it done for them. That's what's going to get it done for them. Um, and then uh, Peyton Hendershot gets the only receiving touchdown. Um, for the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, four catches for 70 yards, leading wide receivers. Uh, but that's their game. This is their style. They didn't have to do much. So I'm not tripping because they didn't blow out the Lions, but that defense was not 
going to allow this no star having team uh, to be dominant over them or even competitive with them. So not surprised Cowboys over uh, the Lions. Next, we get on to the Giants at Jaguars. I did predict this one correct as well. Giants over Jaguars by the score of 23 to 17. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout, but the Giants don't seem like a blow. Another blow, not another team that don't seem like they just blow teams out, but their defense gets the job done. And then Saquon does what he needs to do uh, to get the win. I predicted that is was even going to be um, a low scoring game to where both teams would be scoring under 20 points. And I almost hit that mark with the Giants scoring 23 points and the Jaguars scoring 17 uh, but Daniel Jones once again playing a clean game doesn't have to go crazy doesn't have to go off um, but just playing a clean game in the passing game with 19 of 30 202 yards and then one touchdown no picks but then Daniel Jones goes off in the running game which I don't think this is going to be a common thing and it should not be or at least he shouldn't force it 11 carries uh, for 107 yards and one touchdown and then of course Saquon 24 carries for 110 yards uh, in the rushing game. And then Darius Slayton leading all wide receivers, three catches, 58 yards, and one touchdown. And uh, so that's enough to get it done for uh, the New York football giants who are right on the heels, uh, right above the Cowboys and right on the heels of the undefeated Eagles. Um, I still think that the Eagles are a better team just because of quarterback. But, um, yeah, of course, you know, I would rather have Saquon and, uh, than any running back that the Eagles have. But then there's other factors that play a team as a whole. I really think it's going to be interesting between these three teams really duking it out. Cowboys, Giants, um, and Eagles. Um, once we get down toward the ladder of the season and these three teams have to duke it out and all three teams possibly making the playoffs. That's crazy as well. On the other side, we have uh, Trevor Lawrence, 22 for 43, 310 yards, uh, but no touchdowns, no uh, interceptions either, but still, he's got to be able to put something down. Travis Entian, 14 carries, 114 yards, and one touchdown, but again, that's not going to be enough. Trevor Lawrence getting one touch rushing touchdown as well, only on three yards. Christian Kirk leading the way. I really think they need to push Christian Kirk even more than they're pushing him. Um, and, I, I, you know, I guess he tied for first with 10 targets uh, along with Zay Jones. But Zay Jones, four catches out of 10 targets for 54 yards. Christian Kirk, seven catches, uh, 96 yards out of 10 targets. So um, to me, I, I think it's obvious to see who the number one wide receiver is. Um, most of the time, Evan Ingram at tight end seems to be shining in the second spot in terms of the second most important or the second go-to. Um, so he was at the third place in uh, as far as targets, but he always seems to be second or third uh, when it comes to receiving yards. So uh, yeah, I just think that they, the Jaguars need more work in terms of being able to produce and being able to score, like I said, 17 points is not going to cut it in the NFL. It's not going to cut it. You cannot blame this on the defense. The defense only allowed 23 points. So the you're not going to cut it when you only score 17 points as an offense in the NFL. 
Like I said, that's below average. That's not even average for NFL. Next, we have Colts at Titans. Um, I predicted, like I said, as far as I predicted this one wrong, but I did say it was kind of a toss-up uh, with these two teams. To me, they're evenly matched. Both are mediocre, in my opinion, uh, at best. Um, you know, so come playoff times, both these teams, if either team does actually make it, I think will be put to sleep in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but you know, somebody's got to win in division because they're in division with the Jaguars and Texans. And so somebody's going to represent the AFC South in the playoffs. Like I said, I really don't care who it is. I think that they're going to be snuffed out in the first round as long as they don't end up playing each other, which I don't think, I don't think this year, uh, I know it's still early, but I don't think this year that two, um, AFC South, I don't think two AFC South teams are going to get into the playoffs. So. Uh, with that being said, it seems like dealing only by one game because four and two is only one game better than uh, three, three and one now. But but actually uh, with six games and then the Colts playing seven games. So they have one game that they played. They haven't had their bye yet. But the Titans get the win here. Nineteen to ten. Like I said, I don't uh, even with them getting a win and then being four and two and the Colts being three, three and one. I don't really see one of these teams as dominant over the other. So uh, this is this is the bottom bottom division of the league this year where it's like it may be, you know, a team that's 500 winning the division. It really may be uh, because I still don't put too much stock in the Titans uh, in terms of what they can do um, against uh, most of the competitive teams uh, in this league. Uh, they can do this against the Colts and get away with it, but against most teams, this is not going to be good enough. Um, you show Matt Ryan with uh, 33 for 44 and 243 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And he has been benched in terms of the backup uh, that's going to be uh, starting for the rest of the season. That has been made an announcement this week. Um, Jonathan Taylor still not really producing uh, with 10 carries for 58 yards. They're got to, they've got to be expecting more out of him um, uh, as far as the leader of their offensive firepower um, because it's definitely not the passing game. It definitely wasn't going to be Matt Ryan. And now with Matt Ryan being benched, uh, I still don't think that this is, you know, the passing game is something that the Colts are trying to rely on. Uh, we go over to the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, 13 for 20, 132 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and, of course, Derrick Henry doing his thing uh, with uh, 30 carries for 128 yards. I don't think that that's a load that he can consistently um, put on for, uh, you know, every game, game in and game out. He just does. I don't think it'd be safe for him to do that. Um I really don't think it'd be safe for him to do that. So, you know, moving forward, this is, you know, this, I think, but I think this is as good as it gets for the Titans. They really don't have anybody now. They traded, traded away A.J. Brown at wide receiver, and now it's just the Derrick Henry show and just hoping that Tannehill doesn't mess up. They tried to use Malik Willis on a, on a jet sweep, which I really don't like because it's like you're already trying to do this thing where, Oh, we want to use him. Oh, I, you know, got to use him in the best chance for us to win. You know, and that means if that means doing this, that means doing this. And you know, Malik is going to say, as a young guy, going to say all the right things. But no, he's a quarterback. Stop trying to use him for something else. 
because Ryan, you want to tickle Ryan Tannehill's ego. He, I, I mean, the Steelers have already made their switch. I mean, what? I mean, unless it's the whole thing about whatever amount of money that they're paying Ryan Tannehill as to why they don't want to go ahead and start Malik Willis, that has to be the only reason Ryan Tannehill is still starting. The only reason, in my opinion. So, uh, for that matter, okay, you're going to go ahead and continue to start um, Ryan Tannehill. Randy Bullock, the kicker of the Titans with four made field goals, and that is the leader as far as propelling them uh, to a 19-10 to win. Ugly game, and uh, yeah, that's about as good as it gets as far as the style of winning, in my opinion, for the Titans. Would have been nice if Derrick Henry could have got a touchdown, but he led the way with the 100-plus yard rushing performance. And now we get to the other one that I was wrong about, and I was teetering on this. Uh, Again, I was teetering on this, and I was like, "Uh, I still think it'll be the Packers. But lo and behold, look who gets to start against Green Bay for the Washington Commanders. It's Taylor Haneke. Haneke. Heineken, who gets the win over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I told you Aaron Rodgers don't care. I told Didn't I tell you about my, my, my frat brother's theory? He said, when Devontae Adams left, he said, this is Aaron Rodgers' way of getting back at the Green Bay Packers for all that they've done to him. <laughs> this is for all that they've done to him. He takes the $50 million, because they wanted to draft Jordan Love and because they never take a wide receiver in the first round and get him some talent around him. So he's like, fine, you're going to do this to me? Fine. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm just going to take the money. Devontae, I'll see you later. It's been real. It's been fun. But I'm going to just act like I really want to try to win and I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to play average. I'm going to just just throw my hat out there and just oh I can't do it because oh these guys don't know how to play well and just blame it on everybody else I told you when Aaron Rodgers checks out it's a done deal it's a done deal if he was really invested in this team even with the wide receivers that he has I think he is just like Tom Brady he can win with almost nobody he can win with no name wide receivers if he really plugs in if he really charges those guys up and they know that he is their undoubted, quest, unquestioned leader. They've got his back. He's got their back. He's going to lead them to victory. If they truly believe that about Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers really had that attitude, I don't, I don't think they lose this game. I really don't. I don't think they lose this game at all. But because something is going on uh, in Packerland that is just, like I said, dismantling of this team, and then you think about it, when he does leave, he's going to leave them in shambles because of he's taken so much money away from them. Um, and against the salary cap, they wouldn't be able to afford to have anybody. They really wouldn't be able to afford anybody who's decent once he does leave. And then you're, you've got Jordan Love. And then after that, what else is there? What else is there on that Packers team? Aaron Jones is getting up there, and I'm pretty sure Aaron Jones is probably not going to want to stay with that team post-Aaron Rodgers. So then, as the Packers, what do you do? What do you do? 
I don't think it's going to do much. Aaron Rodgers, 23 for 35, 194 yards and two touchdowns. Two touchdowns is great with no picks, but 194 yards only and no help from the running game. Not going to get it done. Like I said, 21 points. That's it. 21 points that you're barely above the low scoring average. You just make it in the average. And lo and behold, Tyler Haneke, Taylor Haneke, uh, gets the job done with his performance. 20 carry, 20 uh, uh, completions uh, for 33 attempts, 201 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Antonio Gibson leading the way uh, with 10 carries and 59 yards. Uh, and Scary Terry getting some of his groove back with five catches for 73 yards and one touchdown. And the uh, Washington Commanders, uh, again, just seems like morally, uh, from a leadership standpoint, from a guy that I would rather much play for standpoint, uh, put in Taylor Henneke, which is a much better option than Carson Wentz. Uh, if they would have had Carson Wentz in this game, I think they lose. But the surprise pull for Tanner Henneke, that's why I told you guys and ladies, um, it does. I don't listen to injury reports. Uh, you know, I'll hear them, but I don't heed them, if that makes sense. I hear them, but I don't heed them because they will make any change at any given time. They'll lie to the media and tell them something that's not really going to happen come game day. So. Hats off to them for pulling the old switcheroo, starting Taylor Henneke, uh, especially with how he did for this team last season. I know they wanted a better quarterback, but I, again, for the life of me, I don't, I don't believe it was Ron Rivera's decision to get Carson Wentz. I just, I, st- I, I don't care what comes out of Ron Rivera's mouth. I still don't believe this was his decision. I just don't. I think this was higher up, uh, and they wanted Carson Wentz in there even though Taylor Henneke is probably more beloved, a better leader than Carson Wentz. And now they're realizing, you know, we just got to go with Taylor. We got to go with Taylor. At least he keeps us in a game. We want to fight for this dude because we know he fights hard and plays hard for us. We want to do the same for him. Regardless of their talent level, I think he'll see a much better collective performance for every game that Taylor Henneke starts as opposed to Carson Wentz. So hats off to the Washington Commanders for getting a win over the Green Bay Packers and improving to three and four while the Packers, like the Buccaneers, (laughs) fall to three and four. Crazy. Next, we have Jets at Broncos. Uh, Not surprised by this score, but um, now we have the whole Russell Wilson saying that uh, he's not going to play because of a hamstring issue. Uh, and that was a big reason why they lost the game previously. So I get it with the new money that he has. They want to preserve him. You can go with that narrative. That's fine. Um, like I said, I've already stated the narrative that I believe is the issue. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's still got his high spirits and making the jokes about Wolverine blood and he'll heal uh, rather quickly. But in the meantime, he's not playing in this game and the Jets didn't need much to beat the Broncos without Russell Wilson. Don't know if the outcome would have been different with Russell Wilson. I don't think so. But the Jets get the job done by a score of 16 to 9. And yes, it's an ugly game. Yes, it's a low scoring game. But still, the Jets 
the jet the new york jets do you guys realize that the new new jersey by the way not new york but new jersey has two really good football teams right now as opposed to usually only being one and that's if the giants decide to be good that year <laughs> now they got two new york football new york new jersey football is booming booming hats off to the jets Zach Wilson, 16 for 26, 121 yards, no touchdowns, but he didn't need to. Brees Hall, four carries, 72 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Michael Carter, 13 carries, only 29 yards, but that is the Broncos defense that does play hard. Um, but yeah, they're two and five because they don't have any offense that can play collectively together. Brett Rippon getting the start for the Denver Broncos. Of course, that's not who they paid for. So him even throwing 46 times is ridiculous. So, I mean, they can't do anything in the running game. Again, I don't know why for the life of me, they continue to want to have Melvin Gordon. But from a fan standpoint, y'all can go ahead with that and keep it because that's going to keep y'all down. Fumble prone Melvin Gordon is going to keep y'all down. And then former Raider Latavius Murray being there. Uh, I think his best years are behind him. So, with that being said, and then you've got Jerry Judy as a leading wide receiver, who I really thought it was going to be Cortland Sutton shining more this year. Um, but uh, Jerry Judy, seven catches for 96 yards and no touchdowns. And the Broncos just, yeah, they're stinking it up really bad. And I know a lot of people didn't think they, they thought that they were going to be competing with the Chiefs for the top of the division. And it is not the case at all. Next we have, so that's uh, Jets over Broncos. Jets improved to five and two, like I predicted, and Broncos fall to two and five. Next we have Texans at Raiders. Raiders take care of business in this one as they should have. Uh, I would say this is the most uh, complete game that the offense has put on this season. I guess it's against the Texans, so you take it with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, still the best game that the Raiders offense has played as a whole for a full game. Still um, without Darren Waller nursing the hamstring injury, but just feeding their beast uh, who is looking for his fat contract extension payday in Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, I always knew that he was this type of running back. I was just, uh, I think even still with him being this type of bell cow, they overused him in previous years when Gruden was there um, and didn't want to utilize anything in the passing game. Um, but this is one of those games where you just go ahead and let him loose because he should be able to do it without too much wear and tear. And he did marvelously wonderful 20 carries for 143 yards and three touchdowns. Derek Carr not doing much. Uh, with 21 of 27 for 241 yards and one touchdown, but he didn't need to because the Texans just could not stop that running game. And even with him not getting uh, that many touchdowns on the season, Devontae Adams still getting his numbers 
on average every game. In this game, eight catches for 95 yards, still getting the most targets. Uh, but that to me is because Darren Waller's not in. I'm not expecting Hunter Renfro and Mac Hollins and Foster Moreau to get more cut touches. But I will say that I am very, very, very happy with the addition of Mac Hollins. He is their deep threat. He is their burner. He is their speed guy on the end uh, to run a streak, to run a post pattern, and to stretch the defense, something that they have been missing since they lost Henry Ruggs in that uh, tragic uh, accident that he caused and is unfortunately no longer in the league uh, because of. But Mac Hollins is an incredible, to me, up-and-coming young speed receiver that really helps the uh, helps the offense uh really stretches out the offense so that Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Foster Moreau can run underneath and catch and then you always have him to where you can still throw to him as a deep threat him getting two catches for 44 yards and one touchdown uh so all I'm very very happy uh with them finding Mac Hollins um and uh meanwhile like I said Lovey Smith I feel for him I like Lovey as a head coach, but like I said, this is not set up for him to succeed anyway. Davis Mills playing to me a pretty rather good game for what he has to work with. 28 for 41 and 302 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. But as a collective whole, the Raiders played a full game, whereas the Texans just could not hang after the first half. They just ran out of gas and they could not handle it. So the Raiders win by a score of 38 to 20 was also happy to see that pick six at the end of the game toward the end of the game uh i love pick sixes i love when my especially when my team does it um my that's my favorite play in football is a pick six i love a pick six um so next we get to the seahawks and the chargers i still thought the Chargers would go ahead and pull this one out but lo and behold look at these seahawks it's crazy man and I don't like the fact that we got to face them now. At the beginning of the season, I'm like, okay, my Raiders going to get to face the Seahawks. That's a win. At the bottom of the NFC West, that's a win. Oh, my goodness, no. No, no, I don't want to face the Seahawks. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to face them now. I really don't want to face them now. Look at what they did to the Chargers, 37-23. to I told y'all. I told y'all that the Chargers were the worst team with a winning record in the league. And it rears their ugly rears its ugly head because their defense cannot be consistent to save their life at all. They can't be consistent to save their life. I know there have been some key injuries. I get that. J.C. Jackson now done for the season. I get it. Um, but even when he was there, it still was a matter of this defense being shaky at best. And they were talking the most, you know, because this was geared up to be a bloodbath of a of a of a division uh, with all the loaded weapons on offense and defense for every team uh, in the AFC West. Uh, I heard more trash coming out of the L.A. Chargers camp than I did from the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chiefs combined. It was the defense of the Chargers talking the most trash, and they're probably the worst liability are tied for the worst liability in the division along with Russell Wilson. So, <laughs> and that's really saying something, especially if I consider you more of a liability than the Raiders offense when they don't play a full game and especially, especially the Chiefs defense. If you're more of a liability 
than the Chiefs defense in this division, you're pretty that's bad. That is bad. It don't really get no worse than the Chiefs defense to the point where Pat Mahomes is going to have to win a shootout every game and even then do the same thing in the playoffs because I'm not counting on his defense on stopping too much, especially when it gets to playoff time. So, yeah, the Chargers really got to fix some things. That's why I said I don't, you know, this whole dark horse thing and picking them to be in the Super Bowl because they got this, they got the talent and they got this and they got that. Well, I mean, why is it that people always say this, but then it's like they ignore all the other talent? Like, dude, if it's one thing about the Chargers talent, see, let's let's stick to this for a minute. If it's one thing about the Chargers talent that's different from other talents in the league, it's that the Chargers talent has not proven themselves yet. So why would I take if even if two teams are equally talented? Guess which talented team I'm going to take? The talented team that has proven themselves more often. So the Chargers have not proven themselves. They come up short. Whether you want to blame the head coach or blame the quarterback or blame the defense or blame the O-line. The Chargers have the most talent in the league that comes up short the most. For a team that is as talented as everybody says that they are and that they are on paper, they are the ones that show up the least when it counts. So why are they talked about in the same hemisphere as the Chiefs? Why are they talked about in the same hemisphere as the Bengals? Why are they talked about in the same hemisphere as other teams who actually made the playoffs last year, including the Raiders, and the Chargers didn't? But yet, every year these talking heads want to talk about the Chargers, the Chargers, the Chargers. And y'all were saying the same thing when Phillip Rivers was a quarterback and they couldn't and Phillip Rivers couldn't get his his own arm out of his own behind because in fourth quarters, what was Phillip Rivers good for? And that's exactly what I loved. Yes, he beat us sometimes. He beat us a lot of times, but we beat him, too. But overall, why could they sometimes not get to the playoffs? Why could they sometimes get into the playoffs and then they just could they would always fall short? Because they're inconsistent. Their talent level is one thing, but either they're not coached good enough or their talent level cannot show up in big games or Phillip Rivers will throw his famous fourth quarter interceptions when the game is on the line. And now the Chargers woes continue. You got, you allowed 37 points by the Seahawks. Even as much as I like the Seahawks and I like Geno Smith, as a quarterback and like the fact that he's getting this opportunity to start on this football team. Y'all shouldn't have let him score 37 points. My goodness. So Geno Smith goes 20 for 27, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, not much help from the running game, but didn't need it uh, because uh, the chargers couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything on offense Hats off to the Seahawks defense for making this Chargers offense, uh, really exposing them for what they are. And just, I'm just like, like I said, I'm not putting any stock in the Chargers until they actually show me. When you get to the Super Bowl, then I'll give you credit. I don't do that for any other team. 
But when they get to the Super Bowl, then I'll give the Chargers credit. Until then, I ain't picking them for nothing. I ain't talking about their potential. I ain't talking about what they should be doing. I'm tired of talking about that. Chargers, more than any other team in that league, need to put up a shut up. I don't pick them as my dark horse. I don't pick them as my this or they could do that. They could surprise. This is a trap game for the other team. This They're going to upset. No. No. And it's not to say that I'm going to be right and wrong, right or wrong about every game that I pick for the Chargers. But this height that they get is so unwarranted, it's ridiculous. They are the most overhyped team in the league. Overhyped team in the league by the talking media. Hats off to the Seahawks for getting a very, very good win. 37 to 23 on the road. On the road. Beating the Chargers in L.A. In their rented home. (laughs) Next we get to the Chiefs and the Niners. This is as I predicted as well. Yes, it was good that they got McCaffrey. um, The 49ers did in the trade from the Panthers. But... Oddly enough, funny how all of a sudden McCaffrey, the best player on the team, gets traded away. And now the Panthers look like they're playing a lot better. And then, consequently, he gets on the Niners and he's doing good. And, you know, you know, does, does a little bit. But as a whole, there's just something wrong with this Niners offense to the point where, look, I don't put this loss on the Niners D. Yes, Pat Mahomes and company score 44 points, but when your offense is not producing the way that you need them to, you're going to be on the field more often than not. And I don't care how good of a defense or great of a defense you are, if you're on the field the entire game, you're going to get tired. You're going to give up points. So I'm not surprised that the Chiefs win. I'm not surprised that the Chiefs score 44 points because if the offense of the Niners cannot get their act together, then the defense gets punished. And that's literally what happened in this game pat mahomes going 25 for 34 423 yards three touchdowns and one interception didn't have much help from the running game and did not need it uh you use Miko hardman to do some jet sweeps and some types of uh tricky runs in the running game and he scores two rushing touchdowns with clyde edwards hilaire scoring one rushing touchdown as well but then you have you allowed Juju Smith-Schuster to go off seven catches for 124 yards and one touchdown. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling with three catches, 111 yards. Travis Kelsey, six catches for 98 yards. And yes, they just bust the game wide open. Miko Hartman also getting uh, a catch, uh, a touchdown reception. So three touchdowns total for Miko Hartman. So, I mean, okay. Maybe, you know, they want to give all the credit to Andy Reid, but all right. Eric Bieniemy just sitting there, not going to give him a head coaching job. All y'all want to talk about his off-the-field issues and whatnot. You know, some people say this proven. Some people say it's not. At this point, they're a legend, so you really can't say. No matter what you want to believe, you don't really know the truth. That's number one. Number two, there have been people that have been put in place that have done a lot worse, as in like the, the former head coach of the Detroit Lions who used to be a Patriots defensive coordinator. He got a head coaching job with his allegations. He didn't get fired because of that. He got fired because the Lions were still doing poor. But he didn't get fired for his allegations. So why is it that the enemy has to be held back for his 
alleg supposed allegations. So not even going to go there with y'all today on that one. But anyway, Chiefs take care of business, like I said, because the Niners offense is sputtering and that NFC West is wide open. My goodness, the Seahawks and the black quarterback led Seahawks led by Geno Smith. My goodness. I mean, it's so wide open right now. It's crazy. Crazy. Next, we get to your wonderful, gorgeous Sunday night football game. Uh, Steelers versus Dolphins in which the Dolphins win. Doggone it. I really didn't want them to win. Doggone it. Didn't want them to win because, like I said, they're not handling things well with Tua. I've already been vocal about it. I'm just going to let it go for right now. Um... But the, the Dolphins win just because the Steelers are so bad, and I get it. But, you know, it's it's I, I really didn't want uh, the Dolphins to win. They don't deserve to win, but nonetheless, they get the win. Chase Claypool has been rumored to be on the trading block. I would love to have him, but I know we don't have room for him. I just hope he doesn't go to another AFC West opponent. <laughs> but uh, Tua uh, going 21 for 35, 261 yards and one touchdown. No interceptions. Raheem Mostert with 16 carries and 79 yards rushing. Jalen Waddle, 4 for 88 yards receiving. Tyreek Hill, 7 for 72. Uh, and they barely, the Dolphins barely get it done and improve to 4 and 3. That's your Sunday night football matchup. Woohoo! And yeah, I've already ranted about that, so I'll let that one go. And this one as well, still. Not a good matchup, in my opinion, worthy of Monday Night Football. But nonetheless, a very pleasant surprise, I will say, in the fact that the Bears trample the Patriots in New England. It's one thing to beat the Patriots, but you beat them in their own house, where they're supposed to be rumored to just be this vaunted, you know, indestructible team. My goodness. Even post-Brady era, I'm like, yes, I'll take that. <laughs> but the Bears getting the win over the Patriots in New England by a score of 33 to 14. So it was this rumor, again, I don't take any account into it until it actually happens, that um, Bill Belichick was going to start and play two quarterbacks, um, Mac Jones and Zappi, uh, Bailey Zappi. And then uh, Mac Jones throws one pick and then he pulls him. I'm like, dude, you're just destroying confidence for Mac Jones if you're going to move forward with him. And then two, you put in Zappy, and then he doesn't do well, and then he's not going to start next game, and he's been starting the last couple games, and it's like, let's have a definite method of how we do things when it comes to quarterbacks. This is really very uncharacteristic of Bill Belichick, and it, to me, this is just more of the unraveling of Bill Belichick and the wheels falling off uh, because it, this just, it just doesn't seem like this is something that Bill Belichick would do. It just doesn't seem like it. But nonetheless, the Bears play well, get the win, hats off to them. Uh, like I said, to me, uh, Justin Fields still didn't play all that great, but as a team collectively, uh, they get the job done. 
they get the job done. He goes 13 of 21, 179 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, he also rushes for 14 carries for 82 yards and one t rushing touchdown. David Montgomery also gets a rushing touchdown. A hand, a handful, a literal big handful of, of field goals to go along with it. Uh, and the Bears get the win uh, by a score of 33 to 14. So not even really a contested matchup there. But glad to see it. We'll be right back after this break. We have finished recap of week seven. We're going to get into week eight predictions and analysis right here on Scout Team Sports. I'm your host, DeValian. Be back in a minute. Scout Team Sports, and we're right back in it. Once again, appreciate all of my subscri subscribers. Please continue to like. Please continue to share and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with other NFL fans. Let them get a different taste, a different perspective than what they're used to. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that I can uh, hook them, get them hook, line, and sinker to keep coming on to listen to Scout Team Sports. Uh, and we are, again, rolling right along here. We've got only two teams on a bye this week with the Chargers and the Chiefs uh, as we move along. And we have more, uh, actually one more set of games uh, for this particular week. So we begin uh, with the week eight predictions and analysis with Thursday night football. This is actually a good one where they're, they must have been listening. They must have been listening to my podcast. They finally did something right for this week. Those primetime game matchmakers, if you will. Ravens at Buccaneers. Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I forgot who started that. <laughs> oh, man. I like this matchup. I like these two teams to go back and forth. The Ravens are no punks. They're not going to shy away. Because it's Tom Brady and the Bucks, and at the same time, the Bucks are all coming off of a two-game, two-game, two-game losing streak. And my goodness, uh, I, um, I definitely think that that whole Twitter thing uh, or with um, Tom Brady and Lamar, I don't think that was a compliment, but I like how Lamar took it. Uh, talking about your next, I think that it's just Tom Brady's way of trying to get fired up and psyched up, uh, in my opinion for this game in terms of a formidable opponent that he knows he has to beat and especially with him knowing how poorly his team is playing he knows that this is not a guarantee he can't take it easy so he's really got to come in fire all guns blazing uh in this home game or else the ravens will come in there and embarrass you and to lose to a team that really only has Lamar and something like a decent offense and not nearly the defense that they once had and you lose to them, that's 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 really that's really bad. Both teams need this game. That's the thing that also is very, very critical. Whereas you would have normally thought, I would have thought that the Bucks would be comfortably on top of their own division, and at three and four they're not. Uh even though the other teams in the division aren't doing well either. But the fact still remains uh, that um, they need this win to start climbing back to the winning ranks. Even if they were to win a division, um, at best they're looking at the fourth seed in a spot in a fourth seed spot in the playoffs. And so I know they want better than that. 
Um, and I know the Ravens are fighting, have to fight for the top of their division right now. Uh, it really is between them and the Bengals. So um, I'm still sticking with my uh, decision as far as the winner of the division. I believe the Ravens will win the division, uh, but it's going to be tight because the Bengals are starting to catch their fire now. They're starting to catch their fire. And uh, again, still 10 games to go on average for both teams. Uh, minus a bye week here, a bye week there. Who hasn't taken their bye? Who has? Um, but yeah, I like this matchup for primetime football. So when we break down what the Buccaneers can do on defense, I really think that's going to be the key. Because if they can slow down the Ravens enough, I think that gives Tom Brady and the Buccaneers enough time to get ahead and keep a lead. Um, I don't doubt Lamar can make a comeback. Um, I really don't doubt that. Um, but I think that he's going to have a tougher time against this Bucks defense as opposed to the Buccaneers having a tough time against this Ravens defense. But at the same time, we've seen how the Buccaneers can just fall short for an entire game. Um, it is hard for me to believe. It really is hard for me to believe a Tom Brady-led team can do something like this. But he is getting older. Um, so, and, and I get that, you know, like I said, it's not just the rest of the team's fault. And I've never been one to blame it on everybody else and Tom Brady's out there by himself. No, he's not. You know, sometimes he makes mistakes too. So this one is a real tough one because I don't see either one of these teams clearly more dominant than the other. This is pretty much a coin flip because I know Lamar is going to come to play. I know Lamar is going to come to play because beating Tom Brady is a big deal. Even as old as he is, even you can say, oh, Lamar's younger, stronger, faster, quicker, smart, uh, not smarter. But um, I say that, you know, Tom Brady is just as smart. I won't say that he's smarter than Lamar in terms of intelligence level, but he does have a lot more uh, experience as far as his time in the league. Um, but with that being said, I really think this is a toss up. I really think this is a toss-up, and man, three in a row, I, I man, I, I just, uh, it's hard. It really is hard, and I really want to pick the Ravens here, but I'm going to go with the Bucks, just because I think that Tom Brady and the offense rebound from their atrocious showing, number one, against this Ravens defense, and number two, uh, I think that Lamar's going to have a tougher time with the Bucks defense than Brady is going to have with the Ravens D. That's just what I see. Um, so at this point, I have to pick the Buccaneers, but I am hoping that Lamar wins. <laughs> I can say I can have two. Yes, I can. I'm separating the analysis from the fandom. Fandom says Ravens go Ravens for this game. And then uh, my head and analytics say uh, Buccaneers. So picking the Buccaneers, this is just the analyst part, Buccaneers over the Ravens. Next, we have the Jaguars at uh, the Broncos at the Jaguars. Both teams two and five here. Um, whether uh, it's uh, a backup quarterback or it's Russell Wilson playing bad, I'm not going to have faith in Russell Wilson until I see him play a full, complete game where he doesn't miss his reads. Again, I'm not talking about perfection, but the way he's been playing, 
I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel until he decides to flip a switch and lead this team as he has been paid to do. Until that happens, I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I cannot, like, this is like one of the worst showings I've seen for a trade prospect at the quarterback position that everybody thought and everybody was predicting was going to be a competitor and be at the top. Now, did I have my reservations about Russell Wilson? Absolutely, I did before he got there when he was with the Seahawks, but I didn't think it would be this bad. I mean, he had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf that he left. So to go from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, I'm like, really? And then on top of that, you get Noah Fant, the Seahawks do. I would have kept Noah Fant. I'd have been like, we got Russell coming, but we got to keep Noah Fant. We got to, you can have these other guys, but Noah Fant stays with us because Russell Wilson could really benefit from a Noah Fant. Absolutely could benefit from a security blanket tight end. But now you put him on the Seahawks, and that's another reason why I think the Seahawks are doing so well is because you have a triple threat. Noah Fant is a good receiving tight end. So you couple him with Jerry Jude. I mean, uh, you couple him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a squad right there. Um, a young squad. Um, but nonetheless, when it comes to the Jaguars, um, I think that it's going to be tough for uh, against this defense. Uh, for uh, Trevor Lawrence in, in in that offense of the Jaguars. And Doug Peterson, I think, will be smart enough to once they wear down, then he will pick them apart strategically. Uh, because as good as this Broncos defense is, if they don't have any help on offense, you can forget it. You got to have some offense. Defense does not win championships. Balance does. And right now the Broncos have zero balance it's all defense and their offense sputtering to get along the quarterback play is horrible uh their starting running back is liable to fumble at any time broncos have no offense right now so picking the jaguars by default over the broncos next we have the panthers at the falcons the newfound life if you will in pj walker uh, starting for the Panthers, and they should keep him starting moving forward. They bet not. They bet not put Baker Mayfield back in there. And so P.J. Walker going up against uh, Marcus Mariota, I think, with Mariota having a little more experience. I really like how P.J. Walker played, uh, but it's going to be tough for me to just all of a sudden assume that he can be consistent. Um, I got to see it first. I got to see more from him. And as the games go on, this is a perfect follow-up game um, for him. Uh, but at this point, I'm going to pick the Falcons just because Marcus Mariota has more experience. And even though I don't put too much stock in Marcus Mariota as a quarterback, I'm not sold enough yet on P.J. Walker. He played a very clean game, one that definitely the Bucks D was probably not prepared for. Nobody's prepared for him. Uh, don't have any tape on him so how could they be prepared um, but it's going to be can you keep that consistent can you do that consistently and until I see that I, I want to see more before I just start picking the Panthers to, to win football games um, and again with no Christian McCaffrey that does hurt but they found a, a way to win last week uh, but let's see if they can string together I'd be happy 
to be proven wrong on this one. But right now, I'm picking the Falcons over the Panthers. Next, you got Bears at Cowboys. I know what the Bears did against the Patriots, and that's nice. That's wonderful. And that's wonderful. But you're going up against the vaunted Cowboys defense. First of all, they're not letting that happen. They're not letting that happen to the offense that you got. I would highly, highly disregard uh, Justin Fields running the football. I'm like, dude, think about your career. If he tries to run that football, it could be something really bad. So uh, I would advise that he does not run the football nearly that much. Uh, and um, they're going to have to find another way to win. But here's the thing. They're not. <laughs> I cannot in any way. I get what they did against the Patriots, but you know that's a weakened shell of a Patriots, shell of a Bill Belichick Patriots team. Uh, and they are not the same as they once were, uh, not even last year. So um, I'm not putting too much stock into that. Got the Cowboys all day on this one. Uh, better at quarterback right now. Better at running back. Better at wide receiver right now even though that's not saying much, and of course, clearly better at defense. This will probably be a low-scoring game. As long as Dak plays a clean game and doesn't force-feed the ball to anybody, especially C.D. Lamb, and they just rely on their running game, the Cowboys should have this game. There's no reason why they should lose this game. So picking the Cowboys over the Chicago Bears. Next, we have Dolphins at Lions gonna pick the Dolphins here just because you know statistics you know and I'm not a dummy statistics will say that Tua can hang in a shootout if needed to provided that he is safe and healthy um so with that being said and a defense that can't stop a cold to save their life Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill uh should run wild in this game uh and uh Jared Goff doesn't have, although he would have firepower, and he should be able to score on this Dolphins D. I just think that just that combo I said alone, Tua to Tyree, and then Tua to Jalen Waddle is way too overpowered for the Lions to overcome. Even if they could put up some points, their defense is going to give give up even more points. So no, shootout probably, but Dolphins win. Picking the Dolphins over the Lions. Next, we have Cardinals at Vikings. Vikings coming off the bye. Vikings, another sleeper team here who are atop the division at 5-1 in the NFC. Naris, as Chris Berman would say. And taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Got the Vikings in this one. I'm sticking with my guns in terms of what I say about the Vikings. If Dalvin Cook cooks, then uh, everybody on the Vikings will be eaten with a win. Um, and I think this is what they do because they're coming off the bye week. They got the rest. Dalvin Cook should be ready to go. Her cousin's ready to go. Justin Jefferson's ready to go. That defense is ready to go. They're going to have to run around and chase the Red Road Runner. But against this defense, I don't see Kyler Murray just going off uh, for 42 points like he did against the Saints. I don't see that happening. And if he's got to curb his scoring and curb his running of the football, then that leaves him with less and less options. Yes, they do have D-Hop back, and that is a great addition. Uh, but 
as a whole, as a complete, more complete team, I like the Vikings here over the Cardinals. Next, we have Raiders at Saints. This is the extra NFC game for the Raiders in this new 17, or fairly new, I will say, 17-game season. Uh, and they're coming in and facing a team that is reeling um, uh, when it comes to that Thursday night football matchup. But they do have the rest factor uh, in terms of a couple days extra rest. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I really think it depends on who starts at quarterback here um, for the Saints um, because their offense is going to have to be the anchor of the team because it just doesn't seem like the defense can do it anymore. They just don't have it. And that's really a shame because Dennis Allen is the head coach now who was a D coordinator before and why he gets the job. I don't understand, but especially right now, if you're the head coach and you haven't changed anything and the defense is still the defense that you're over and they're doing worse than they did before. Now that you have more, even more power over the team. Yeah, that that's, that's, that's bad. So provided that the Raiders can take advantage of that and play a full game. Uh, and we don't know when um, Devontae Adams was actually going to serve a suspension. Yeah, he's dealing with the whole civil suit stuff right now with that push of that um, media employee. Um, but we don't know when the actual NFL is going to hand down their uh, punishment, which should be at least a game. Um, at this point, if we're seeing that he does play, and all guns are blazing, and depending on when Darren Waller gets back, even if he doesn't, with this defense of the Saints reeling, um, again, it should be, the Raiders should be smart enough that if they play a full game, not just one half, not just the first half or just the second half, the Raiders offense plays a full game because I know the defense will come to play. Raiders should win this football game. They're better at quarterback. They're better at running back right now because of how they play i know josh jacobs is a different guy than alvin Kamara, but the way they're both being used right now i mean josh jacobs is in his groove he's in his wheelhouse alvin Kamara is kind of just like he's not he's not being used the way drew Brees used him and it's just not the same type of flow right now he's almost like he's trying to get in where he fits in uh, he's the star, but he's not the star of the offense. And they just don't know what they're doing on offense. And like, yeah, they can score points, but it just, there's no identity for that Saints offense. And like I said, it's one thing to be scoring and getting a lead. It's another thing to be racking up points because you're trying to catch up. It's a, a totally different mindset and how you operate and how you attack the defense. Uh, and in third and set first, second and third down situations, what do you do? Um, so until there's some solidification for the Saints offense, it's hard for me to trust them. But the odd thing is they're the strength of the team now. So it's kind of like they have to do what they have to do. Uh, and against this Raiders defense, I don't see that happening. It's not that the Raiders defense is all of a sudden just super great, but they play so hard. They are the heart and soul of this team. It's not the old, the highly, much higher paid offense. It's the defense. They're the ones that keep the team in the game, especially when the Raiders are having a slow start. They keep the team in the game when the Raiders can't score anything in the second half. They're the heart and soul of this team. And so I think that they curb 
not shut down, but curb the Saints offense. And then as long as Derek Carr and company and Josh Jacobs uh, do halfway decent and play, like I said, a full game, not just one half, but a full game of football, I like the Raiders over the Saints in this matchup. Going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message. This is Scout Team Sports. I am your host, DeValian. Be back in a minute. Scout Team Sports, and we're back in it, and we're going to finish on up here with this. Predictions and analysis for the NFL 2022-2023 regular season. We are in week eight, and we are wrapping up the rest of the predictions and analysis for these NFL games on Sunday and Monday. Shout out to all of my subscribers. Appreciate every one of you for supporting Please continue to share and subscribe to this channel. Share this with other sports fans to get me as many plays as you can to help this platform grow. Definitely appreciate your assistance. Your support doesn't go without you. So appreciate, like I said, the support uh, that you're already giving me and will continue to give. And now we get back into it with Patriots at Jets. My, how the tables have turned the 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 first of all the Patriots are going to come to fight in this because it's still the Jets still a division rival and I know the and you know and the whole history behind the Jets and Bill Belichick and stuff I still think that lingers um, especially now that the tables have turned if anything yes it's it's you know it's one thing to you know get a stinging loss to the Jets every now and then. But are as long and as dominant as they have been, and now all of a sudden you come into another th- uh, season thinking, "Oh, we're still going to get at least two easy wins against the Jets because they're always bad." And now they're good. Like my, like yeah, like Belichick is on is is really not wanting to deal with this matchup now. That especially that they're good. But I think, like I said, even though I think they're going to come to fight, they're going to come to fight hard, and hopefully they'll just have one quarterback in. Um, you know, I think, and especially also with the whole two quarterback thing, I think he figured he could get away with that because it's the Bears. He figured he can get away with it because it's the Bears. They won't have much on offense. They're his defense, although not nearly as good as it once was, should be able to handle the poor Bears offense. And then he can experiment and do what he needs to do or wants to do rather on offense with the Patriots and the dual quarterback system. And they should still eke out a win didn't work out he knows he can't do that in this game he already knows that so he's gonna have to pick a starter and just stick with that one for the entire game uh but even with that being said uh the jets are just playing well right now they've got life they're gonna be at home in this one i like the jets i like the jets going for the win here uh and beating the patriots and like i said we are definitely in a new era when we're talking about a three and four Patriots team and a five and two Jets team, my goodness, it's 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 exciting to see. It's a breath of fresh air, I know, for Jets fans. Um, I actually know a Jet fan. <laughs> I don't know a Jet fan. Shout out if he ever hears this episode, Ben Ingram. 
announcer for uh, the Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Braves baseball. I remember him when we were working together back at um, Clear Channel Radio and uh, the Score Sports Radio 620 in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, he went on to uh, do commentary for the Mississippi Braves, the Division uh, One, uh, Division uh, Division Two, uh, was Double A team uh, for the Atlanta Braves, and then he got called up. He got called up as an announcer to start calling games for the Atlanta Braves, and now he calls games for the Atlanta Braves uh, baseball team. But he is a Jets fan, so. <laughs> I know he is probably shocked as I don't know what this go around and uh, just happy to see the Jets with a winning record five and two. How about that? But yeah, Jets over Patriots. I just think that they're playing as a better team. And I really I really think a lot of it has to do with their coach and the fire that he brings in terms of the energy that he brings. Like they really those young guys really feed off of him. Uh, and then when you have a guy that you want to play for like that, man, you can you can take on the world. You really can. Uh, next, we get to the Steelers and Eagles. Um, I would think that at some point in time, the Eagles might find themselves in a trap game and might be close to getting upset. But this is not one of them. I don't see it at all. Uh, Eagles all day, even if it is a low scoring game, their defense, I believe, will handle business and Jalen Hurts and company will do what they need to do to wear down and score on this uh, Steelers defense. I still believe it'll be, like I said, a relatively low scoring game. I'm thinking 20 to 17, 23 to 20, somewhere around there, maybe a 24 to 20. Uh, but I still think that the Eagles win and do enough to win this football game. It would be better of a statement if they could win by like a solid 17 points, maybe even three full touchdowns. Uh, but I just don't see them as that team just yet. They, they're they more of a team that's, you know, let's just get a solid win and we get on out of here. Um, and hey, as long as it works for them, who am I to argue? So better at quarterback, uh, at this point better at the running game, uh, defense, like I said, you could say with or without T.J. Watt, um, you know, the Steelers are struggling. Uh, but the Eagles defense has really stepped up their game um, uh, much more than I thought that they would. I thought that they would be good, but they would not be consistent. And they have shown themselves to be rather consistent for the most part. Uh, so picking the Eagles over the Steelers. Uh, next, you've got a toilet bowl matchup in the Titans and the Texans. Yeah, I know I said that. Uh, but I still meant it because <laughs> the Titans, like I said, are now the new worst 4-2 team in the league. It was the Chargers, but now they've dropped to 4-3. So uh, the Titans, uh, look, um, they're going to win this game. Um, division win, easy win for them. But um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. But I still think, I mean, look, if, if uh, Josh Jacobs did what he did, in the running game to the Texans. Imagine what Derrick Henry can do, even with his uh, metal foot. Um, so um, it should be a Derrick Henry show. Um, Ty Ryan Tannehill should not get involved with too much. And as long as he doesn't get involved too much then and get in the way and shoot the team in the foot, then the, the Titans should win this football game. The Texans really don't have an answer for, you know, they could put eight or 11 in the box and uh, I don't know if that would be good enough to still stop Derrick Henry because they certainly could not stop Josh Jacobs. So if you can't stop Josh Jacobs, how are you stopping Josh 
I mean, Derrick Henry, even if Derrick Henry is not what he once was before the foot surgery. So, uh, picking the Titans over the Texans there. Next, we have Washington Commanders at the Colts. Taylor Heineke. I mean, look how this is set up for them. My goodness, look how this is set up for the Washington Commanders. You bench Carson Wentz. You put in Taylor Henneke, who this team seems like they want to play for much more than they wanted to play for Carson Wentz, and rightfully so. And now Matt Ryan is benched for their backup. And I just think this this is this is perfect in place for Taylor Henneke to shine and to rise up and to get a second consecutive win on the season. So I am picking the Washington Commanders to go on the road and beat the Indianapolis Colts. Definitely picking them to beat the Indianapolis Colts with a backup quarterback who is unproven. Um, It doesn't seem like Jonathan Taylor can get on track to have consistently good games. And then if you combine that with uh, even if they have a good defense, they have no help on offense, no consistent help at the very least on offense. I can't put any faith in that. So I'm putting more faith in a team that has a quarterback that can lead them, even though they're not that good. But I will pick the Washington Commanders over uh, the Colts. Next, we have for you uh, probably the premier game uh, matchup. Um, Even though just because it's a California rivalry, and it'll probably take center stage because of the people playing, the stars playing, even though I don't think that should be the game of the week. But nonetheless, Niners at Rams, a division rival game. This one's hard to pick because both offenses are seeming like they don't know what they are. They don't have an identity. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to operate correctly. I, I it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's so weird. It really is. Um, at this point, uh, both defenses to me are good. Like I said, I understand what the Niners gave up, but they didn't have any help on offense or not enough help or too little too late uh, against the Chiefs. <sighs> it is tough. It's tough because both our defenses are good, so it's just a matter of whose offense is going to come more to play this week. Uh, the Rams are coming off their bye, so they do have the rest. But then, like I said, the Niners... To me, with having Christian McCaffrey, they have more weapons, but they just can't seem to put things together right now. So I'm going to go with a rested Rams team that knows who they are, and even though they don't have a running game and all they have really on offense is Cooper Cup, they're just going to work it as best that they can, and I will go with a rested Rams team over a Niners team that doesn't really seem to know or be able to find their way right now. Um uh, it's it's tough because I really think the Niners are should be better than what they are. Uh, they should be leading this division, and they're not. So, nonetheless, I'm going with the Rams over the 49ers. Next, we have Giants at Seahawks. This, to me, is the marquee matchup of the week on Sunday. I would put all eyes on this game. 6-1 and one, Giants at the 4-3 and three Seahawks. Seeing what the Seahawks can do to bad teams and average teams and even teams that people, a lot of people projected to be good, I'm really interested in to see what the Seahawks team can do. And 
going up again. This is to me, this is one of their biggest tests in the Giants. Giants are gonna be on the road. Daniel Jones, as long as he plays a clean game, Saquon Barkley does his thing, the defense does their thing. I think the Giants win this football game, but this is not gonna be easy at all. I think Geno and company is gonna bring the fight. I think that DK Metcalf, at least DK Metcalf or Noah Fant or Tyler Lockett, at least one of them goes off in this game. Um, but I don't think that that will be enough. I don't think that that will be enough. And playing against this Giants defense and Saquon Barkley on um, the Giants offense, I think as a whole, the Giants are just a little bit too much. It's a little bit too much for the Seahawks right now. Seahawks still have to continue to get polished, but uh, I think the Giants are more polished right now. And even if the Giants have to make this a low-scoring game, they'll do what they need to do to win. So I'm picking the Giants over the Seahawks. Like I said, really like the Seahawks, really happy for Geno Smith, but I think the Giants are just a better team right now in the season. So picking the Giants who went on the road against Seattle. Next, you have Packers at Bills. Bills coming off of a bye week. Um, yes, you have to be aware of a trap game. You have to be aware of not taking um, any opponent lightly. And I would never take Aaron Rodgers lightly. And I don't think that the Bills will do that this go around. And especially with Aaron Rodgers not having anybody to throw to. Um, a lot of guys that he would rely on that are still not that good are injured and not going to be 100% even if they do play. This is a match made in easy land for the Buffalo Bills, especially with them 5-1 and one coming off of a bye week and playing at home. Bills all day over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That is your Sunday night football game and your Monday night football game, which I know that they were probably expecting to be better, is the Bengals at the Browns. Still dealing with Jacoby Brissett, understandable, uh, because Deshaun Watson doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, not even after the 11 games. And um, without that, it's just going to be so difficult for the Browns to win. They are 2-5 and five right now for a reason, uh, and that is the primary reason. Um, hats off to Jacoby Brissett for sticking it out. Um, but I just think the leadership and combined with... Uh, just not having a somebody to lead this team. I mean, you still have some type of talent on offense. You still got Nick Chubb. You still got Kareem Hunt in the running game and passing game. Then you've got, yes, I know he's faltering. He's doesn't acting like nearly as good as he once was, but Amari Cooper. You got David Njoku. I mean, you got pieces to work with on this offense. It's just you need somebody to make this offense go. You need somebody to make this offense go, and unfortunately, Brissett is not that guy. Uh, but then you combine that with the defense who at times will give up some points, but I'd be giving up points too if I'm on this field the entire game and my offense isn't producing enough. So that's just how football works. Um, and so this is one of those times where I think, yeah, they get they probably get lit up uh, and the Bengals should win this football game. So picking the Bengals on the road, which is not very far at all since both are in Ohio. Uh, <laughs> in-state rivalry Bengals over Browns on Monday Night Football and that will conclude your and mine 2022-2023 uh, predictions and analysis 
for this NFL season. Once again, I am your host, DeValian. Please be sure to continue to like, continue to subscribe, and share this podcast on any platform that it's available on. We're available on uh, Spotify. We're available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podcast Breaker, <clears throat> and even Overcast. No, you never heard of that one. Huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, boy, we're, we're getting out there. We're spreading. We are growing. So get on the bandwagon. We got plenty of room. Okay. It's early. So you got you can get you a nice seat. All right. So go ahead and jump on the bandwagon of Scout Team Sports as we continue to grow. Run with the little guy and we will grow big. All right. Once again, this is Devalian with Scout Team Sports. Again, appreciate all my subscribers. Uh, please continue to share, like, and subscribe. And we will see you back next week for week nine. Recap of week eight and then week nine. Believe until you stop breathing. I am Devalian with Scout Team Sports. We'll see you next week.